All of us like a good celebration, no matter what culture, no matter what moment in history, we all love to party. In the last 15 years, 20 years, we've seen a lot of Hollywood movies about weddings. The last one I saw probably was my big fat Greek wedding or my whatever, my big Greek wedding, big fat Greek wedding. It was brilliant. Four weddings and a funeral. And then in the last few decades, there's been a whole lot of other ones that I haven't seen, but at least the titles, Bridesmaids, Wedding Crashers, and all, all types of things. But our Lord's saying that the kingdom of heaven is likened to this, that special type of celebration. I did receive a few months ago uh, a wedding invitation in the south of Ontario, and I never replied. But I knew that the person understood that I was just too busy, too far away. I was living in the mountains in the Appalachians. It was just too difficult to get there. So there was really no hard feelings. But nevertheless, the person wanted to show how much uh, we were close and sent me an invitation. But I felt really bad for this. I still regret it. So I still intend to write to her and her new husband and wish them well. And I've sent a message through another, through a mutual friend. So we are responsible for what we can actually do. It's something so simple, given RSVP. We are not responsible for those things beyond us and which are impossible. And in the second reading, Paul will talk about things that are actually quite amazing. The dead rise again, the resurrection of the dead being caught up into the clouds to meet with Jesus. It's pretty amazing. The church teaches that there will be a corporeal bodily resurrection at the end of time. But the church has not really defined or taught what does this mean to be caught up in the clouds. But nonetheless, that's what God does. That's not what we do. We cannot fly up by our own ability. So God wants us to always focus, even though he's going to give us an idea of something amazing, he always really wants us to focus on what we can actually accomplish in our lives. So this is one of the scenes from the movie Bridesmaids, which I haven't seen, but I chose it just because there's five five bridesmaids and they're very elegantly dressed. The parable in today's gospel shows 10 women waiting for the wedding celebration. Five wise, five foolish. But the word doesn't mean crazy, out of control, like we see in this movie. I saw clips. It's something more like missing the point, dull. And the word wise has the notion of being prudent and sensible. So we have a comparison here of sensibility and senselessness. Have you ever tried to buy something really late at night? I mean, going out to the depanneur, is the depanneur even open? You know, a lot of times they close 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midnight. So 
even in Jesus' time, is not easy to go out and buy something in the middle of the night. But nevertheless, they could do it, and they try to do it. But in the end, they missed the wedding procession, so they weren't allowed to come in to the celebration. So there wasn't the preparation, the prudence that they were supposed to have in order to be available. We have to understand that God asks us stuff, but we can do it. But it's not necessarily easy, and that's what we find difficult to understand. The gospel is full of Jesus' teachings. Love both friend and enemy. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't do things with duplicity. He asks us to pray our Father in heaven. He asks us to believe his words and to trust him. Easy to understand. For certain people, easy to do. For other people, it's more difficult. I know I struggle with certain aspects of Jesus' teachings. I can pray to my Father in heaven, but forgiving my enemy? That's tough for me. I was 22 years old. I was sitting in a hotel room in Regina in the middle of winter, and I was meditating on that aspect. I find it hard to forgive people that have hurt me, but I know Jesus is asking me, so what am I going to do? So what I did was I started looking through a book. I'm going to look through somebody else who struggled with my problem and to see if I can find something that is inspiring. And I found the story of a guy named John. John was a knight during the medieval times. John's brother was murdered. And so he made a solemn promise. I'm going to get the guy. And so one day he found the guy. He cornered him. He took out his sword. He was going to take care of it. And the guy said, in the name of Jesus, forgive me. Have mercy on me. John dropped the sword, hugged the man, and they went off to pray in the church. And just because of that story, I was sitting in that hotel room reading about it. I'm like, I need to talk to John more. I want to learn what he has and what he overcame. So that's something that I've always been aware of, at least in me. We have to be honest. We have to be authentic. Last week, we spoke about bringing things to the light, speaking to somebody whom we trust about something we're going through. Let's do the same thing with God. Let's be honest with him. God, I'm frustrated. I don't find such and such easy in my life. I'm actually really, really ticked off. You know, and we can go through any other types of different things. But the goal is to be authentic because we all have that ability to communicate. And part of what God asks us to do is communicate with him. In the first reading, we see that wisdom is found by those who seek her. Search and you will find, we see in Jesus' gospel. I'm going to put on my nerd hat, okay? So just permit me, follow with me. In the Greek text, seeking 
has a sense of debating and struggling to understand, arguing. Did you know you're allowed to argue with God? That's what the Old Testament is full of. The word Israel, Israel, my Hebrew is not good, I think it's just Israel. And that literally means he who struggles with God. Not just for an individual, but for the people. It's normal for us to not understand everything, not to see God's point of view, and to want to have more clarity. He wants to know all of our circumstances. He wants us to reveal it to him. He wants to be a part of our lives. And he is not ashamed or embarrassed by any particular aspect of any of our lives. You know, we all have that tendency to think, well, you know, what I'm struggling with might be such and such. I just want to keep it to myself. I don't want to tell uh, a friend. I don't want to tell my spouse. I don't want to tell God. No, God is not ashamed. He's not embarrassed by anything. Because you can't hurt love. Love is so powerful. You can't tarnish it. You can't diminish it. Anything that touches love becomes like love. So wisdom is found by those who seek her. But it takes an effort. And that effort is on the inside. It's not a physical effort. It's that willingness to want to be authentic in our communication with God. There's a passage in the gospel that I find very inspiring. There's a man that runs up to Jesus and says, Jesus, my son is sick. Please come and help him and heal him. And Jesus says, if you believe, this will happen. And the man says a very famous phrase. I believe, but help my unbelief. So the father's like, I have conflict inside of me. I know part of me believes and part of me doubts and perhaps part of me doesn't trust. But opening ourselves up to God and explaining to him why it's tough and that we do have conflict and being more authentic. And that's where God is able to shine his light and place his loving hand where where the pain is and where the problem is. My dad was a very imposing figure in my life. Bad temper, raised his voice a lot. And I couldn't speak to him from the heart because I was always afraid of his reaction. And the only way I could deal with it was to get really mad and to let it explode. And I was always surprised when a few times I did that, he would speak very calmly and he would listen. Now, that's unfortunately his weakness, that it took all that from me in order for me to speak to him. But nevertheless, I was always surprised. There's no fight. There's no debate. There was tenderness. There was listening. And there was a calm response. So much more so with God. When we're at that point that it's bubbling up and that we want to let it out, we might even use expletives. We might use things in our own particular way. 
Don't be ashamed. Let it out and wait. And you'll find that there will be a calming presence that will come to console you. It is normal to feel conflicted inside. We are complex. We have many contradictions inside of us. We are responsible for what we can do. And God is never going to ask us to do something that is impossible to us. But what seems impossible to us is always possible to him. And that's why he says, let me help you. We cannot overcome pride, anger, laziness, debilitating pain, lack of faith, or lack of trust without him. It is okay to tell God something that we think might offend him and hurt him. You cannot hurt love. This week, three minutes, you tell God everything as quickly as you can. Let it out. If you have to do it with anger, let it out. If you're going to cry, let it out. But you tell him exactly what you're going through. Be authentic. The more we're able to communicate frankly with God, the more able we are to open up the channels of receiving his love and being transformed into his image and likeness and stop trying to figure it out by ourselves. Self-sufficiency is not a Christian virtue. That's what the enemy wants. God created you to be authentic, and that's why you are here right now. But he also sees you as you will become with him in eternal life, and that's why he's leading you forward. And he always has that image of you in your full splendor and glory. We have to trust him because he sees it. We don't see it yet. And yet we can do this. That's why it's going to take three minutes this week.